ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಯಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರ್ಮಸ್ವಿಣಿ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾ ನಮಃ ವಸುದೇವಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನ So we have completed the study of the second chapter and we are going to start our discussion on the third chapter of Srimad Bhagavad Gita. So as in the last class, we were trying to summarize the entire third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, that what's expounded there. So in the third chapter, Sri Krishna expounds the Karma Yoga or the Yoga of Action. So we will find that he explains to Arjuna what he's, that this chapter's, uh, the main theme will be that he explains to Arjuna that no one can remain without action, even for a moment. In our life, in some form or other, we are bound by our inherent mode of nature to all be always engaged in action. But however we may try, we can never remain without action. So that's why it is superior to practice the Karma Yoga. And what's that? To continue to work diligently to fulfill your responsibilities externally, but internally be unattached. So that's the basic thing. That seek not, avoid not, whatever responsibilities we have, in whatever situations life has placed us, we don't avoid that. We do our best. It's not that, that somehow we conduct our activities. These activities are performance best not result best. In no way I, con- I compromise with the performance, with the perfection. I do it as per my responsibility, but internally I am unattached. And that unattachment is not something like stoicism. It is based on attachment to some higher level of consciousness. It's not that I'm just trying to detach myself, my emotions from the action like a heartless person. It's not that. I'm actually detaching from the so-called the narrow way of looking at life. And I'm trying to attach to that higher dimension of existence which speaks of my spiritual orientation. So that's the concept of yajna which we will find Sri Krishna brings in, in this chapter, that all the actions you should do with a sense of yajna, yajnartha. So with a sense of what is a yajna? Yajna, as in the last class also we were discussing, in the limited sense, it means the fire sacrifice. In the fire sacrifice, what's the idea? That I am offering to the gods of nature, like the rain god, the wind god, Varuna, 
Indra oblations. Why I'm offering? That sometimes we find that the, it's a nature which sustains us. Without rain, we cannot think of living. Without air, we cannot think of living. But there are times, just now as we are facing here in Victoria, that there is flood in so many places. We don't want that. There can be storm, there can be cyclone. Those speaks of the harsh side of nature. So we all want the nature to be as if pleased with us. So these yagyas were based on that concept that I offer oblations to the fire. The fire was thought to be the mouth of the devas. All the devas can have their offering through fire. When I offer anything through the fire, it moves up as if it is taking it to the devas. So oblations are offered to the Agni Devata, the fire. Its oblations are taken by the fire to the deities, the personifications of the nature. And they are pleased with us as we offer them. So they give us the thing to just as the optimum level is required for our sustenance, neither more nor less, they're being pleased. So in this idea of yajna, there's a question of interaction, that I offer something to the devas in return, they are pleased, they offer me the, the, the things which we need to sustain, the rain, the year, all those things they're providing us. So this idea of interchange we find in the Bhagavad Gita has been expanded. That this interaction, this interdependence is not only in the fire sacrifice. Actually, the entire nature is, you will find is interdependent. Nothing here can exist apart from the entire creation. Everything has to interact with each other. This world is interdependent. Everything, our existence is interdependent with the universe. I cannot think of myself as a total discrete separate entity from the universe. So keeping in mind this theory of interdependence, which is the law of God, the ultimate reality, the Brahman, when finds expression as the universe, it finds expression as energy, the Shakti. And that Shakti is not chaotic. It is always following a particular rhythm. The Sanskrit word from the Sanskrit word rhythm, the English word rhythm has been derived. Rhythm means laws, the truth. The laws can never be transcended. It can never transgress them. That's what the laws mean. If you can transgress, there are no more laws. We cannot transgress them. In our attempt to transgress the laws, we break ourselves. We can never break the laws. So here, Bhagavan is saying that when the creation is there, Know it for certain, the God is working through the creation by following the path of yajna. That's in this chapter, that's in the sloka, it will come. Sahayagya praja srishtva. When he created the praja, that is creation, the creatures were created, he created them with yajna, sahayagya, with the idea of interdependence. Well, is it true? Even in our life, we will find. The mother loves the child. Seeing a poor person, 
compassion wells in us. Now the ahankara comes that I am compassionate. But if you give a deep thought, that compassion which wells from you seeing a poor person, or the love which wells from the heart of the mother for the children, is it something which you are the one who has to get the credit? We are built in such a way that the love wells. He has given, the God has programmed us with that love, with that compassion, that when we see that someone is suffering, compassion wells. If we would have been created in a different way, we would have been just hard-hearted. However we try, we cannot love. So it is he who has given the love in the mother's heart to take care of the child, to take care of his own creation. It's not only the humans, throughout the nature, the young ones are taken care of. There are so many videos in the uh, National Geographic that the predator, the lion has killed the prey. Or after killing the prey's uh, young one is helpless lying there. And now the lion is taking care of that. The young one, somehow seeing the young one, love has welled up even in the heart of lion, the one who is the predator, from where that love comes. God has programmed us with that love. Our genes are altruistic. Otherwise creation would have not been possible. So now here in this chapter, Bhagavan says that as we have to work, don't work with the sense of karta because you are not the karta. He has given us all those emotions, those positive emotions, being guided by those emotions, knowing it for certain that I am just the instrument. God is working through me, work without attachment. So now you will understand that many equate Bhagavad Gita with stoicism, that stoics are, this, the stoicism is also a philosophy where speak, they speak of that life is a flow. It is going to end. Why to be attached to it? Let the life flow be detached. But in that type of stoicism, that the emotion has no faculty to grow. The emotion is as if stifled. Be just detached from the world. You are just, you become a hard-hearted person. But here in the Bhagavad Gita's approach is totally different. Where they're saying that this emotion has to be sublimated. The devotion has to go to God, not to this, our personal human dealings. It is God who has given that love in my heart. I keep my mind in him and knowing it very well, he's working through me. And that's how I develop the detachment from the world and I take care of my responsibilities. And that's how I cleanse myself, which at present is resulting, it's what's, it has made me an aspirant, as an aspirant. I'm Aru Ruksho. These terms in Bhagavad Gita will come. Aru Ruksho, one who is aspiring. And the, this, your constant aspiration, constant endeavor to remain detached from the world by keeping your mind in God and working as an instrument in the hands of the divine. You're a divine worker. This ultimately leads in Chitta Shuddhi. And when the mind is cleansed, where Chitta is cleansed, the realization dawns spontaneously. Realization is not something, the spiritual realization is not something which is created. Our inherent spiritual nature is always there. It is only clouded. You remove that covering and the 
your wisdom dawns in and once it dawns in you are aware of your spiritual nature there you don't have to practice by constantly trying to focus your mind on the fact that you are the worker in the hands of the divine once the realization dawns in that becomes just a a permanent uh, awareness in your mind it is always there so now you are no more aruruksha you become yoga rura so though you are working you are detached and that leads in loka sangraha this wonderful idea that when if you are a realized soul you can be you can be detached from the world and just remain absorbed in meditation but what good it does to the world in no way it does any good to the world so gita bhagwan is saying that in karma yoga when you are doing your action and at the same time you develop the detachment you become an inspiration for others in a positive way they try to imitate you even if they are attached to their action as they see you the one who is an inspired soul to be working to be incessantly working they even though have the desire try to follow you for them the desire may fall off in time but in the process you are not in any way disrupting the way the world goes on because we should always remember it is a god's plan to sustain the nature so that's the idea of loka sangraha which will come in this chapter that you when you become yoga rura you can still continue with your action it's not that many say that in bhagavad gita the karma yoga is meant for the aspirant who is yet to cleanse his mind once he has cleansed his mind the actions is bound to stop that's in nowhere in the bhagavad gita that idea is mentioned as we will go through it the action still continues there's no harm in it because your mind is detached the body mind is in the flow but you are detached you are in no way attached to the action you're just the witness you're witnessing as per the prarabdha the body is going through the actions which it has to go through we're just witnessing and that is the state which has been spoken of as the loka sangraha that you become an example for the world that that he explains that unlike the rest of the human kind the enlightened souls are not obliged to fulfill their bodily responsibilities they are established in knowledge but however they do not abandon their responsibilities their social duties because they know it for very certain that as he has become an exemplary figure and others will follow him and if they follow him by seeing his inaction all will be just becoming lazy their inaction won't be from the uh, what you say from the knowledge from wisdom it will be just an expression of their tamas the swami vivekananda used to say that we should be very much aware of the fact that most of the time the tamas comes in the disguise of sattva the real realized soul may be actionless but he is established in sattva is he is actionless by being established in that awareness that this life is a flow he is one with the the spiritual dimension of his existence which is eternal but others seeing his inaction cannot relate to his mind just relates to his action and becomes 
lazy, becomes inert. You will find that the way in this chapter starts with a confusion that Krishna, that Arjuna will be asking some questions to Krishna. That now you speak of being established in knowledge and again you speak of action. You are confusing me. I know you don't intend to confuse me. Most probably because of the lack of understanding, I don't understand but what you are saying. Can you please explain with this, this, this chapter will start. And know it for certain, Arjuna's confusion is actually the confusion of the entire humankind. You will find that in India, we never understood the scripture in the correct sense. That's why for thousands of years, inaction became the mode of our life. We had a very mummified civilization. If you go to the village for thousands of years, no change, the same mode of life. People feel somehow I have to take care of my activities and then remain absorbed in meditation. But as we are not up to it, neither can we really, uh, neither can we really progress in spiritual life, nor uh, can we uh, just having uh, the world prosper, the world prosperity. So in our scripture, they speak of Abhudaya and Nisraya. Abhudaya speaks of the collective goodness, the social upliftment. And Nisraya speaks of our own spiritual emancipation. So neither of them is possible. Neither my own spiritual upliftment is possible because of my inertness, because of my laziness, because of my inactiveness. Neither uh, spiritual liberation is possible nor social upliftment is possible. So the Loka Sangra speaks of how to synthesize this Abhudaya and Nisraya. So the wise continue to work without any personal motive, only to set good examples for others to follow. Or else the ignorant will abandon their prescribed duties. They will simply abandon them. Prematurely, they will abandon them. It's not time for them to abandon. They will abandon them. So that's why Sri Krishna mentions in this chapter, the example of the enlightened King Janaka. He will be exemplifying Janaka Adaya. That King like Janaka and others like him, those who continued with their action in a detached fashion. So that's the ideal which will be spoken of here in this chapter as the Karma Yoga. And he speaks of the contrary also here and criticizes them to the hypocrites that in the name, Swami Vivekananda used to say in the name of spirituality, if 100 people are progressing towards the spiritual path, know it for certain, 80% of them are hypocrites. 15% have lost their wits. They will be a bit cranky. Only 5% somehow progresses towards the goal. Why these 80% are hypocrites? It's not that they really want to be hypocrite. Why they become hypocrite? Because they don't understand. But most of us take the spirituality by trying to uh, create a watertight perform, uh, compartment between spiritualism and secularism. That to meditate is spirituality, to worship, to commune with the divine, to be totally detached from the world is spirituality. And when I am with the world, it has nothing to do with spirituality. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say that our spirituality is still breakfast. That in the Indian tradition, we find that in the morning we wake up, 
we have our shower, we wear special clothes meant for worship, go to a small altar or the worship room in the corner of our house, spend some time, very nice time. We just burn some incense, burn lamp, and uh, do some chanting, do some meditation. We are in a very uplifted mood. Come back, change our dress, get ready for going to office, and sit for my breakfast in the dining table. And now I'm a totally different person. So our religion is just till the breakfast. So why we demarketed, we demarketed this spirituality with the secularism. So Swami Vivekananda used to say, following this trend of Gita, that nothing is secular, everything is spiritual. You have to just change the orientation. And if we, if we don't change the orientation, and if we just in a wrongly belief that secularism has nothing to do with spirituality, then in this chapter, we will find very strongly Krishna will be criticizing them as this mithyachara, like hypocrites, because outwardly they have adopted inaction, but in their mind, the riot is going on. So that's a hypocrisy. That, that's a type of, uh, that's a, uh, it's, it's, it's the sign of hypocrisy. That in mind, attachment is still there. You are find that all the entire, there's all sorts of dealings are going on in your mind. Externally, you are trying to be inactive. So that's the thing which speaks of the wrong orientation. So they display external renunciation, but internally they're dwelling in the objects of the senses. So that's the thing Sri Krishna is criticizing in this chapter. That don't be a hypocrite. If you find that your mind cannot be controlled, better go for the action and try to do it with that awareness that you are an instrument in the hand of the divine. The work divine is working through you to maintain, maintain his creation. And so I am not uh, bothered about the result. It is he who is through working through me and it is he knows that what's the result is uh, intended. So that's how his creation is going on. Let me be just the instrument. So this is the wonderful idea, which is will be running through the entire Bhagavad Gita. So that's the thing which will be introduced in the third chapter. It has already been introduced in the second chapter, but Arjuna was confused. And that's why he asked some question at the beginning of this chapter. And that's how Krishna elaborates it. And in the very last part of this chapter, we will find that Arjuna asks a very pertinent question. What's that question? That, okay, I understand that you are saying that let us go on doing the work disinterestedly by thinking ourselves as the instrument in the hand of the divine. But is it that easy? That you say that when inaction leads to hypocrisy, that I am inactive, but my mind is constantly dwelling in the objects of the senses. But when I'm acting, then also it is so difficult to keep the mind in God and do the work disinterestedly. Because he speaks that there are this lust, anger, they are there, how to get rid of them. Says Arjuna is asking Krishna that people have a tendency to commit sin, though, even though they're unwilling, as if by some force, that though they have that, uh, they have developed that 
awareness that let me keep my mind in the divine and work but we find our urge is there towards the sinful acts so to that krishna says that the lust and anger kama esha krodha esha rajaguna samadbhava samudbhava so this will come in this chapter he says it's fact that the the desires are not so easy to be overtaken to be overcome so what is to be done that what that in a situation of life in a particular situation of life we find some of the desires are active in our mind there are innumerable desires in our subconscious mind there are so many desires as per the circumstance of life most probably they are not prominent to give an example today i have tasted some delicacy the sanskara has been created the taste of that delicacy is still in my mind but when i am busy with my day to day activity it is not prominent i go out just to have some my dinner in some restaurant i open the menu book the delicacy which i have tasted a month back i see that in the menu immediately that urge comes this is the thing i have to taste i have to relish so i order for that what has happened the desire which was subcon in your subconscious mind in a particular circumstances it arises so in our mind there are innumerable desires all are not uh, prominent at the same time as per the circumstances a particular desire desire arises so krishna here will be speaking of this immediate action there are always whenever there is some crisis the two actions has to be taken one is the immediate action and if the crisis is recurring always it happens then you have to take care of the long term measures you have to just think of some long term measures immediately i have to take care of it and in the long term that if may it may not recur again and again i have to take some long term measures just when there is a flood we were giving that example when if in a flood prone area when there is a flood when, it, when the flood is there i cannot think of long term measures then and uh, there and then and there what i have to do immediately i have to take care of the people by giving them providing them food who have been got cut off from the uh, what is it the mainland because of the flood waters i have to give them food i have to provide them bring them to some safe place and give them shelter so this is the primary relief and in the long term what i have to do that as this area is flood prone i have to build houses on pillars ground floor no one stays everyone stays upstairs the the tube well in india you will find there's a hand driven tube wells are there for the drinking water that has to be on a raised platform so that even when the flood is there people can still avail the drinking water they just get up the stairs they just climb the stairs and the tube well is there the school building is there with huge halls where people can go and take shelter so all those are long term measures so in our spiritual journey also the immediate desires which has which are prominent in my mind i have to use my will power to get control over them and the what is the long term the long term is when with my will power to certain extent i get control over the desires which has find expression to my life now my mind is to be to a certain extent calm with that calm mind now you perform your action in a detached manner keeping your mind in the divine this will gradually annihilate your ego taking you to the realization 
So these are the two. One is the short term, one is the long term. So at the very end of this chapter, where Krishna, where Arjuna asked this question, that in spite of what you are speaking, that trying to keep the mind in the divine and go on doing the work disinterestedly, we are still prone to sin, papa. What's the reason for that? And Bhagavan there says it is karma and from karma krodha. Whenever there is desire and that desire is hindered, it finds expression as rage, anger. So these are the enemies. So you have to, you have to use their willpower to control the senses. And you may say that is it possible to control the desires with the willpower? Yes, it is possible. Willpower also can be increased. It can gather strength just the way you build your muscles. When I am trying to build my muscle, how I am building? It is not that when I am working against the weight, the muscle is built. It is just the opposite. The muscle cells are ruptured. I don't have sufficient strength. I'm trying to just work against the weight. My muscle cells rupture. Then how the muscle grows? It's by the feedback mechanism. When I'm taking rest, the ruptured muscle cells, they start regrowing now. But they have that feedback. What's the feedback? That this part of my body is now used. It is now used more. So if I just grow the exact number of cells that was there previously, it cannot withstand the pressure which it is going through now. So let me grow a more number of cells. So it is, this, it is actually this feedback mechanism through which the muscle grows. Not It is the direct result of working against the wet. Similarly, our willpower also increases. Suppose I'm fasting. For the first time I'm fasting, I have taken a resolution that I will fast overnight from the morning till the next morning. And by the lunch time, I'm hungry. Why are that? What is that hunger? This hunger is the biological alarm system. The pangs of hunger, it is the biological alarm system. The body is saying, it is time for you to take food, take food. So it is giving that alarm. If you somehow just you know, neglect that alarm system, if you somehow just don't give any attention to that alarm system, after some time, the alarm system gets tired. You find that within another two, three hours, you had a terrible pangs of hunger and another two, three hours by late afternoon, that pangs have gone. You're feeling quite light. You're feeling quite energetic. The pangs of hunger is gone. Now you can continue with your fasting for more time. So that's how we can delay our gratification. It doesn't think, speak of continuous struggle. The struggle is there, but after some time it stops. And now with a calm mind, you can go with your worship for which you have taken the result for fasting. That's why we fast. That to keep the body light, the pangs of hunger will be there and then it will go, leaving me free for some more time to enjoy the bliss of the spiritual practice. Your body is light, your mind is free. So this is the thing which has been spoken of with that you increase your willpower, that there will be some storm, agitation in the process of trying to control your senses. But know it for certain, it is not something which is ongoing without any uh, int interval. It will stop keeping your, keep making your mind free for the long-term spiritual practice. So 
that's how you have to synchronize these two the short term uh, practice as well as the long term practice in your spiritual journey to ultimately take you to the final spiritual destination so this a wonderful way he gives this bhagavad gita is not just a mere philosophy it speaks of a way of life so this karma yoga is actually speaks of a way of life that will be preached by the bhagavan in this chapter so now let's after this introduction let's enter into the shlokas of the third chapter of bhagavad gita so the first and the second shloka of the third chapter of bhagavad gita speaks of arjuna's confusion after hearing the words of krishna in the second chapter he couldn't comprehend them properly and this confusion has arisen in his mind that confusion he is speaking of in the first and the second shloka what he is saying arjuna vacha the first shloka jayasi chet karmanaste mata buddhir janardana tat king karmani ghore mang niyo joya niya joyasi keshava this is the first shloka that o janardana o krishna if you consider knowledge superior to action then why do you ask me to take part in this terrible war niyo jayasi keshava ghore tat king karmani ghore mang this horrible terrible blood which entails in bloodshed killing why you are engaging you are asking me to get engaged in this type of war when just now you are praising of the sankhya yoga you are speaking of that knowledge and you told that it is superior then then the next shloka we find that arjuna is quite humble he says that you can never be you can never be the one who is trying to create confusion in me you are the real benefactor you want to really help me most probably it is me who cannot comprehend your words properly so that's that he agrees to that that he confesses he is confessing that in the second shloka what is saying vyami sraneva vakyana buddhin mohayasa evame that eva is very important word as if as if my my intellect is bewildered by your this as if by your ambiguous advice it's not that you are really ambiguous it's as if means it speaks of my way of understanding is not correct what you are saying must is must be true so that's why please elaborate more tadekam vada nischitya yena shreya aham apnuya so this either this so called your spiritual path which speaks of inaction this contemplation which speaks of only contemplation or this action among these two which is superior just say me definitely as my intellect is bewildered by your ambi by, by your uh, apparently ambiguous advice now so please tell me decisively just with the decisively you tell me that which path through by following which path contemplation or action i am going to attain the highest good the spiritual liberation so we will find that in the chapter 1 introduce the setting in which arjuna's grief and lamentation that arose 
that created that uh, setting. And, and that's, that's the reason for which Sri Krishna starts giving the spiritual instruction. That Vishada has a great role to play in our spiritual life. That all the crisis we go through has a great role to play in our spiritual life. The crisis, instead of being a negative factor, can become a positive factor if that opens up the spiritual portal for us. It has to come. If there was no Vishada, we would have taken this life as the be-all and end-all of our existence and would have been just quite happy with it. As the Sankhya philosophy starts with a sloka, the, the sutra, the first sutra itself speaks of what? That if all the ripened fruits were available in the plains, why should, what was the necessary to climb the mountain? Suppose there are some fruits which if the trees you get only on the top of the mountain, when you are at a certain high altitude. So if they were in the plains, there was no need for me to climb the mountain. That why I take this endeavor to climb? Because it's not available in the plain. So similarly, if this world would have given us all the things which we want, there was no need for spirituality. So this Vishada plays a great role in our life by opening up that portal that we start asking questions. Is this the all which uh, be all and end all of our existence or something is there behind it? So this question comes from that Vishada and urge, this Krishna takes this as an opportunity. So in the very first chapter and in the chapter two, first we find what he did. So first Lord opened up that spiritual portal. He opened the spiritual dimension of one's existence by explaining the knowledge of the immortal self. He did speak of the self. The self is immortal. The body is constantly changing. It is going through the shadow vikara. When we, when, when we are born, we grow, we then, what you said, transform, and the decay process start. At last, the death is there. This jayate asti vardhate viparinamate apakshyate nasti. So, this sixth process, this sixth transformation through which we are going, we are. We were not there at certain point of time. We won't be there at certain point of time as per our psychophysical existence is concerned. And as long as we exist, we are going through the changes. Beyond that, there is something which is eternal. So that's the thing with which Bhagavan starts. And then he reminds Arjuna, there are the three things, the three phases through which the second chapter proceeds. First, he opens up the spiritual dimension that you are really the soul. And then he speaks of Swadharma. He told, forget about your spiritual dimension. Even as a Kshatriya, as a warrior, it is your duty to take part in a righteous war. Otherwise, the total social texture will just simply disrupt. If the righteous, for the righteousness, the Kshatriyas, the warriors are not there to protect the society from all sorts of exploitation, from all sorts of wrongdoings. The Kshatriya must be there. So even as per your Swadharma is concerned, you should take part in the war. As per the Sankhya Yoga is concerned, that you are the soul, nothing is going to die. Neither you are going to be killed, nor you can kill others. So these, after saying these two things, then he brings that idea of the Karma Yoga. So as you're the self, that doesn't mean that you, shouldn't, you, you won't be working. Continue with your work, knowing it for very well, 
that you are not this body-mind complex. It is going through some process as per the circumstance in which it has been placed, but you are not that. Be apart from it. So the Sri Krishna, then this, this in the last phase, after, after speaking of the Sankhya Yoga in the first phase, then he speaks of Swadharma, and then at last, this third phase, he spoke of this Karma Yoga. So he asked Arjuna to detach himself from the fruits of his works. And in this way, the bondage creating karmas can be transformed into bondage breaking karmas. The karmas which takes us spirally downwards by changing our orientation, we can make the karmas to take us spirally upwards for the spiritual liberation. And he turned this science of working without desire as buddhi yoga. So there was no ambiguity as per the Bhagavan's instruction is concerned. But we find that, that uh, what you say that Arjuna misunderstood Sri Krishna's intention. The, as we were saying, as we did as a nation for thousands of years. But he thought that if knowledge is superior to action, then why should he perform this horrible uh, duty of this war, bloodshed, the war which entails in such a word, bloodshed. So that's why he says by making as if contradictory statements, you are bewildering my intellect. You are confusing me. But at the same time, I know you are merciful. You are a benefactor. And your desire is not to confuse me, but to dispel my doubt. So that's what, that in politics, sometimes we say that when the politicians find it's the general notion, we are not criticizing throughout the world as the politics is based on short-term gain, is the general notion that when the politician through his propaganda finds that it is very difficult to convince others, their words are there to confuse. But if you cannot convince, confuse. But Bhagavan is not like that. He is the real benefactor of human being. He is not just there to confuse me. I am sure of that. It is my lack of understanding which is resulting in this confusion. So to get established in the conviction, he asks Bhagavan, so please clarify that, that if, if, you, if you imply that I have to just go for the war, What's the justification behind it? Please elaborate to me. So now, from the third sloka, you will find Bhagavan will be elaborating the idea of Karma Yoga. First, he will try to uh, <clears throat> clarify the doubt which has arisen in Arjuna's mind, and then he will go on elaborating the idea which we speak of as Karma Yoga in Bhagavad Gita. So now, in the third sloka, what he's saying? Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. Krishna starts giving his deliberation. Lokesmin Dvividha Nishtha Pura Prokta Mayanagha Jnana Yogena Sankhyana Karma Yogena Yogina. Lokesmin. There are two parts in Lokesmin means Loka Asmin in this world. Dvividha Nishtha. There are dvividha, there are twofold nishtha, endeavors. Both are endeavors. Both are correct endeavors. This through nishtha, through steadfast practice, both can lead you to the goal. So loke asmin, in this loka, in this world, there are two types of endeavors, nishtha. 
Pura Prokta Mayanaga. So from the olden days, it has been explained by me because I am the one who is not this Krishna as you are seeing me as a human being. I'm that eternal one from the very beginning of the creation. When the creation was there, these two paths were prescribed for emancipation from the very beginning. It is I who have explained. Pura Prakta, from the very beginning of the creation, I have spoken of that. O sinless one, Anagha means O sinless one. Arjuna, you the sinless one. You know it for certain that these two paths have been spoken by me from the very inception of the creation, from the very beginning of the creation. These two paths have been spoken of. What are these two paths? Jnana Yogena Sankhyanam, Karma Yogena Yogena. This is a path of knowledge that those who are inclined towards contemplation, I did speak of this Jnana Yoga for them. And the path of work for those is inclined toward action. Karma Yogena Yogena. There are two distinct paths that I have, I did speak of. So even in the 39th verse of the second chapter that just to speak that Bhagavan has already spoken of these two paths to Arjuna. You will find that in the 39th sloka, Sri Krishna explained these two paths. What are these two paths? Esha te abhihita sankhya. It is in the 39th sloka of the second chapter. Esha te abhihita sankhya buddhir yoge tvimang srinu buddhya yukta Yaya partha karma bandham prahasyasi. So I have explained to you the Sankhya Yoga that before the 39th sloka, when he opened up the portal of the spiritual dimension of our existence, he did speak of that Sankhya Yoga. He speak, spoke of that the self, that the self which is embodying within the body, who is enshrined within this body, this body is just like the covering. He spoke of that self separate from this psychophysical existence, distinct from the psychophysical existence, that which is our real identity, that which is eternal. He has spoken of that. And so I have explained to you the Sankhya Yoga, and that speaks of the analytic knowledge regarding the nature of the soul. And then after the, in the 39th sloka, he told that I have already spoken, now I will speak of Buddhi Yoga. He has actually distinguished there itself. So what is the Buddhi Yoga? There is the Yoga of the intellect where you work with such understanding where you will be free from the bondage of karma. That your awareness is with the God, knowing it very well, you're in the instrument in the hand of the divine. It is the God who is working through you to take care of his, to his, of his creation. So you shouldn't be result-oriented, but at the same time, you should be performance-oriented. Neither seek nor avoid. Wherever God has placed you, you do that without any ambition. You're not seeking anything, nor you're avoiding. You're doing it perfectly, knowing it for certain that you are just the instrument in the hand of the divine. So that was the Buddhi Yoga, the 39th Sloka. I, was, I have clearly mentioned that. that. Till now I was speaking of Sankhya. Now I'm going to speak of the Buddhi Yoga. So this first is the acquisition of knowledge through the analytical study, that's the Sankhya Yoga. 
the nature of the soul and its distinction from the body. So people with a philosophic bent of mind who are inclined towards this path, they uh, just want to know the self through this intellectual analysis. That, that, that is a path. I never denied that. And the second is this process of the working in the spirit of devotion to God. Is the Karma Yoga. So Sri Krishna also says this Karma Yoga is a Buddhi Yoga, as he has spoken of in the second chapter. So that working in this manner will be purifying your mind, that you will have Chitta Shuddhi, and the natural will naturally awaken in that purified mind. As we were saying, that, not, that knowledge is something inherent in us. It is just our intellect is clouded. That's why we are not wise enough. The knowledge is something which we don't acquire. It is already within us. That's why Swamiji, Swami Vivekananda, how nicely is to define education. Is to say education is the manifestation of perfection already in man. It is already there. You just have to purify your mind and it manifests. He's defined religion as what? Religion is the manifestation of the divinity inherent in man, already in man. You just have to manifest it. So Karma Yoga speaks of that purification by which the inherent divinity that manifests, that leads to enlightenment. So the, those, this among these people who are interested in the spiritual part, there are those who are inclined toward contemplation. And then there are those who are inclined toward action. So his, both this path existed uh, from the very inception of the creation, ever since the soul's aspiration for God realization has existed. Whenever anyone felt for that transcending this world of dualities and getting established in that spiritual awareness. These two paths were existing from that time itself. Now, Sri Krishna touches upon this both of them since his message is meant for the people of all temperaments and inclinations. So he's not denying that there are a few who are by nature contemplative, but there are a few, that's the thing. It's not that all are, majority are for, for most of us, karma yoga is suitable. There are a few who are competent for that contemplative way of life. That the Bhagavan say that I have defined, but I have never prescribed that for you. After speaking of that, I did speak of buddhi yoga, which is for the majority of the humankind in which Arjuna also falls. So that's what Sri Krishna says in the third sloka. And then the fourth sloka is something where the real instruction of the Karma Yoga starts. After saying that there is this two distinct path, now he will start giving indication that why Karma Yoga is something which has to be adopted by the majority of the humankind. Why? Na Karma Naam Anarambha is the fourth sloka of the third chapter. Na karmanam anarambha naishkarmyam purushosnute. Nacha sanya sanadeva siddhin samadhi gachati. So not by merely abstaining from action. Na karmanam anarambha. Arambha. You have not started even that action. So not, but that means inaction. So by merely abstaining from action, one cannot reach the state of actionlessness. Naishkarmyam purushostute. 
So we think that actionless means that I don't do the action at all. I don't start action. That, that way you can never reach actionlessness. And then Nacha Sanya Sanadeva Siddhing Samadhi Gachati. Not just by mere Sanya Sanadeva, means not by just mere physical renunciation. One Siddhing, one can attain the Siddhi, the perfection. Samadhi Gachati. You cannot reach that perfection just by mere renunciation. We will go to this idea of actionlessness as per the spiritual, in, a, in the spiritual dimension is concerned, we will gradually go to it. But let us try to understand it from a very, very physical uh, uh, way of, uh, from a point of view. That na karmanam anarambhat naishkarmyam purushosnate. That what? That without, by abstaining from action, you can never reach the state of actionlessness. Now take your own car. When it is, standing on the garage, it is actionless. That it, but it is intended not to be standing on the, uh, just in the garage. It is there to take you to the destination. So just standing on the, your garage, it is actionless. That is an actionlessness for which it is not meant for. But when it is, when you're driving it, still you can, you're driving, but still you can enjoy the actionlessness. You'll say, how? When you start your car, at the beginning, you have to accelerate. After some time, when it has reached its particular speed, now you are nishkarma. It has attained that speed. Now you are no more pressing that on the accelerator, nor on the brake. The car has got, has developed its own inertia of motion and it's moving. It is taking you to the destination but as such, no work is done. So in our life, that's the way we have to work. It is possible even in our day-to-day -day life to attain actionless through action, even in the, our psychological sense, in the spiritual sense it is concerned. Let us try to understand, even with the help of modern psychology, we will give a just a broad view of it today. And we will take up this discussion again in the next class so that we can enter into a state of actionless only through focused action, which is performance oriented and not result oriented. You will say how? So when you are performance oriented, you become extremely focused. You're neither thinking of past nor thinking of future. You are just in that action. Jan sadhan tan siddhi. So in our day-to-day -day life, when you are extremely focused, what happens? When I am trying to learn some instrumental music, if in the very first day I think I have to become like an expert musician, then each and every step when I am failing, that will frustrate me. I will, I will just say, it is not possible. Let me forget. Uh, this is not for me. So that's not the way. That once I have set up the goal, I want to become an accomplished musician, it's good. Now forget it. Now we in the present. Try again and again. What will happen when you are focused? At the beginning I find the challenges are greater than our skill. 
so it can never allow me to be focused again and again i find i'm failing my challenges are greater than the skills i have at present but when i'm focused i'm trying again and again a time comes when the my skills meets the challenge my skills meet the challenge now i am playing the musical instrument and enjoying the bliss i'm totally focused in it but as i have the skills has met the challenge i am not getting agitated because of my failures i have reached a state of spontaneity and my mind is so focused <clears throat> even when i am sitting in front of thousands of people in the audience know it for certain the accomplished musician is not aware of the audience he is so absorbed in his music he almost forgets the audience actually a real accomplished musician is the one who can really forget about the audience if you are more conscious about the audience the more that fear factor will work on you you can never perform the more you are absorbed in your this uh, the playing the more focused you are and as you have developed the spontaneity that focus makes you forget everything you are just focused in that and then irrespective of the fact that the audience are applauding you you are not bothered about it your satisfaction is in the music which you are playing and you are deeply absorbed in it which has made you forget everything else why because you have entered into a state of flow you have entered in a state of flow because our mind has very limited power of processing information when i am focused on a thing intently the other thing starts falling off naturally i cannot keep all the things in my mind when my mind is focused you have observed it when you are watching anything intently in on the tv someone calls you don't hear the sound has entered your ears but your mind have not registered it because your mind is focused on something intently the same thing happens here when the challenges has met the skill you get extremely focused everything falls off you are playing you are playing to the perfection tremendous action is going on people are enjoying but you have become videha like janaka you are not in the body anymore because all the so called even your hunger thirst you will find a musician throughout the night playing is so focused the body's alarm system has fallen off it is not taken care of who will take care because the mind is the mind which takes care of the alarm system is not totally absorbed with what it is doing so the start this alarm system which just fails they cannot in any way draw the attention of that person so all the bodily activities are still going on but he is not aware of them you are in the body but within though being in the body you are as if out of the body no bodily activity nothing can disturb you you enjoy that let go and shoes and you enjoy that state of flow is the state of pure bliss so it is like the car which has after you have accelerated to the speed and now neither you are pressing the accelerator nor the brake the car is just moving in action there is actionlessness so here also through karma we can reach a state which speaks of naishkarma this word naishkarma for thousands of years the entire civilization has misunderstood that no action the car is just standing in the garage the car is not meant for that 
it is go to the it has its purpose is to go to the destination but still it can enjoy the nice karma by entering into that state of flow where the spontaneity has arisen and that's what bhagwan before going into the spiritual dimension just the action when done perfectly can take us to that state of flow which can give us an intense bliss let go and choose all the bodily activities can fall off when 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 we, when we are being extremely absorbed the thing on which we are doing and it can give us bliss there can be a tremendous contemplation in that world of action that is the thing which bhagwan is indicating he is yet to bring the spiritual dimension the concept of yagya nothing just if you even forget about all those things alone the karma itself and done in a focused manner forgetting the past forgetting the future forgetting the result just performance best it can take you a, to a state of bliss which speaks of that actionlessness you're doing the action but you're not aware of it you have entered into a state of flow the body is not aware of it you have entered into a state of bliss so that's the thing which bhagwan is indicating in the very first line na karmanam anarambha naishkarmyam purushoslate this means that what it means you have to start the action and through that you can enjoy the inaction when you get specialized in it perfected in it and that's the same idea will be again reiterated in the second line which we will again take up in the next class nacha sanya sanadeva siddhing samadhi gachati just by renouncing action you can never go to the perfection it is a perfection which speaks of the skills meeting the challenges and taking you to that state of actionlessness just by simply physically renouncing the action you can never go to that state of bliss so let's see just even without entering into the spiritual dimension bhagwan even for the so called those who say that i am atheist i don't believe in god still for them karma yoga is applicable if we take karma as a performance oriented action and not result oriented action it can entail in that state of actionlessness which in turn can result in bliss the pure bliss which comes from that let go so that's been spoken of in the fourth shloka of the third chapter of bhagavad gita so with this we stop our discussion today we will continue with this chapter with the succeeding shlokas again in the next class thank you all namaskars